Welcome to the conversation. I'm Heil Russell. And I continue to be Gibbon somehow. And Gibbon, how is your summer continuing? Uh, well, we can breathe again. The air quality index has gone back down to safe levels. Yeah. So that's nice. Isn't it a fun time to be alive? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. I know. I love how on my weather uh, app, it now tells me the air quality. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, that's fun. Yeah. Oh, we've got temperature, humidity, air quality, whether it's raining hellfire. Nice. Uh, it's nice. Yeah. Good, good, good to know. Yeah. It the, mm-hmm. the air quality was so bad where you live that it was actually affecting the air quality where I live, which is impressive mm. considering we are basically a continent apart. Uh, we live on the yep. opposite ends of the Americas. It's it's super bad, and it's blowing your way, so get ready for that. <laughs> well, we're also, thankfully, getting some tropical storms because it's hurricane season, so... Mm, maybe maybe those two air fronts will clash. <laughs> Either they'll cancel each other out, or you're just in for a really bad time. I, I'm hoping, yeah, climate change just gets so bad every which way that it all just blocks each other, and we create the perfect, yeah, the perfect conditions. Yeah. I had a friend uh, visiting from out of town uh, this week who's been planning the trip for a while. And coincidentally, she was also the one who lived through all those hurricanes in Puerto Rico a few oh. years back. So she's just getting, you know, the best of climate change. Well, I'm trying to enjoy the summer regardless. You know, it's August and I feel like mm-hmm. this is where the media and retailers really try to push us away from summer. Like, oh, summer's over. Uh, we're, we're focused on autumn now. And meanwhile, it's 100 degrees outside. For me, I've always been... Yeah. Ignore what society is telling you because they just want to push Christmas trees on you. Enjoy summer. It is summer. Have a pina colada, a margarita. Mm, uh, yeah. And, and and if you can't make it to the beach because there is a pandemic going on, you know, go to the beach in your mind. And hopefully the conversation mm. can help take you there. Just <laughs> pour a bunch of sand on your patio. Don't worry about it. Oh, look at Gibbon here bragging about the patio. Oh, it's all I have a patio. I have a patio. I'm not allowed to put anything on. <laughs> I can't even put chairs out there. The office management gets mad at me. Yeah, isn't that great that you're not allowed to use it? <laughs> I, all I have is kind of a, a slab of concrete uh, mm. in, in the back. And even then they're like, you're not allowed to put plants on it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm generously calling a patio. <laughs> like, why do I, why do you give me this slab of concrete if I'm not allowed to use it in a way that would imply some sort of deck or porch or patio? Animals love it though. There was a bobcat hanging out the other day, probably because there's a rabbit warren in the bushes. I would love to see a bobcat right now. The only like wildlife I've got going on are cockroaches so Mm, well yeah i'm not i'm not trading you there living the dream support dk vine on patreon (laughs) dkvine.com forward slash patreon maybe i can do something about my cockroach problem (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I, I'm in a good mood. Gib, I'm trying to be in a good mm. mood. Trying, trying to enjoy the summer because I love summer. I love Halloween. I, I, I love every season. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But summer is always the season that aligns with my mentality, my mood. Spring is actually my favorite mm. season, you know, but, but summer, I, I'm very much about, uh, the summer life, probably because I grew up with things like Donkey Kong Country and, and mm. tropical beaches and funky Kongs and what have you. So I can, yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to enjoy the summer all the more this year, Gibbon, because I'm afraid I've received some bad medical news. Oh, no. Yeah, I found out that Dr. Mario World is being shut down on October 31st. Uh, shit. Yeah, so as much as I said I'm looking forward to Halloween, I do enjoy Halloween, this Halloween will be a bit dark for the Donkey Kong universe. This is the weirdest Luigi's Mansion announcement. I guess Mario's dying in this one. Or or else uh, Dr. Luigi tried to treat Mario and led to some malpractice and now Luigi is being stripped mm. of his license along with everyone else down to Dr. Diddy Kong. Well, to be fair, Luigi knows how to deal with ghosts a lot better than he knows how to deal with life. <laughs> yeah, that's what you want out of a doctor, right? <laughs> so, Remember, a necromancer is just a doctor who's a little bit late. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be a good plot for the next Luigi's Mansion. That's why they will never do it. Hmm... Dr. Mario World, Gibbon, we discussed this back on the conversation a couple years back when it became DKU. We did. Yeah. And, you know, we generally actually liked it. We liked it a lot better yeah. than Mario Kart Tour at the time. And mm-hmm. I remember saying that this kind of game, a puzzle game, to me, was much more suited to the mobile experience than something like go-kart racing. It's a much friendlier consumer experience. You can just play the game. You don't really have to pay attention to any of the microtransactions. Everything is pretty doable. Like, if you want to get, like, 100% and the best scores on everything, sure, you'll probably be uh, reaching for your wallet at some point. But you can easily just go through and play the game, Uh, which is probably why it's Nintendo's least profitable mobile outing. Probably, yes. That's that's it is why it fails, Gibbon, is for all the reasons <laughs> you just listed, for the reasons we lauded it two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you want to hear something really depressing? It became uh, DK. Sh- it became DKU. Uh, I think very nearly two years to the day it's getting shut down. So Oof. yeah. No, I you know as much as we've come around or I've come around and some other DK viners have come around on Mario Kart Tour, which we discussed you know at great length earlier this mm-hmm. season. You know, Doctor Mario World, like just from an introductory level, seemed to be a better fit. For, for the mobile uh, platform. Mm-hmm. And obviously, uh, I was wrong. <laughs> I mean... I- <laughs> well, I, I'd still argue it's a much better fit for the platform. It just doesn't make them a whole lot of money. Right. And perhaps if they just charged for it at the outset, you know, like, oh, we're, we're going to charge you this amount of money, and, and they don't, like, rely so much on the free software, but microtransaction monetization scheme yeah like like with super mario run but the thing is like 
even Super Mario Run is pulling in more income than Dr. Mario World, which is kind of, it's, mm, I don't know what to think about that. Well, Dr. Mario, I think, is a much harder sell in general than something like Super Mario Run, which is basically Mario platforming, right? You know, Mm -hmm. everybody and their grandmother knows Mario platforming at this point, where Dr. Mario has always been a more esoteric kind of puzzle game. I mean, it's not esoteric in the It's Mr. Pants sense, which... (laughs) would be the true esoteric uh, pl- uh, puzzle game experience. But it's it's never had any cultural penetration like your Tetrises have had. I mean, people know of it, especially Mario fans and Nintendo fans. They know of Dr. Mario. But I would say that yeah. Dr. Mario, when stacked against all these other options like a Mario platformer or Mario Kart or, of course, Pokemon or Animal Crossing or Fire Emblem yeah. even at this point... It's going to be way down there. Yeah, I'd say the last time Dr. Mario got anything even approaching mainstream attention was on, like, the Nintendo 64. Yeah, I was going to say when the character got added to Melee. Oh, yeah, right. I forget about that. I'm not really here, though, to talk about Dr. Mario World. At least, you know, (laughs) this isn't a eulogy for the game. We're not going to get into, oh, this is what I really loved about it, and I'm a really sad that i'm not going to ever experience it ever again on november 1st that's not what this is about this is more about discussing well this is the first time given that we're looking at a donkey kong universe game completely ceasing to exist we've had some close calls over the years and you know yeah. and and there's always the risk with one thing or another at any given time but This is new for us. This is a painful experience for us. This is something I have been dreading since the mid-90s. And and now we're faced with it. And I am kind of in denial. I I remain optimistic somehow (laughs) that this is going to be reversed or somebody's going to come up with a workaround, which I'll I'll maybe give a plea about towards the end of the episode. But, you know, this is a completely new experience for our niche fandom and fan community. But outside of the DKU, Nintendo's certainly been more than willing to put a bullet in a game's head before. This isn't new behavior for them, and it's not that surprising. It's just, for me, I think it's discouraging because we have dodged said bullet time and again. and We really have. Yeah. I was trying to think up examples for the show notes, and there's... We, we really haven't suffered that in this corner of fandom. <laughs> at least not to this extent where we're just looking yeah. at, like, no absolute way to play this game in, in any archive mm-hmm. state. So, I thought for this episode what we'd do is we'd look back at Nintendo examples of this phenomenon, mm. uh, DKU close calls that we've managed to avoid, and, and sort of sum it all up with... Uh, Dr. Mario World's impending fate, its terminal diagnosis, if you will, and (laughs) try to make some sense out of the distressing news. Because I know a lot of people listening to the conversation don't care so much about Dr. Mario World. (laughs) And the truth is, I don't care so much about Dr. Mario World. Like, this isn't any great stakes. Like, this isn't something like, hey, we're erasing all copies physical and digital of donkey kong country 2 
turn turns out mm. turns out that we just can't abide those killer instinct references so we're just killing the game entirely through an emp or something like a specifically targeted emp no like this isn't as grave as that it's not as grave as something like this happened to sea of thieves or or any other game that means a lot to certain segments of the community Though I do worry about Sea of Thieves well, we'll, sometime down the road. We'll, we'll discuss Sea of Thieves because Sea of Thieves is something that I keep coming back to in, I think, relation to this. But I think for me, Dr. Mario World, it's not so much that we're losing Dr. Mario World. It's that we are losing a piece, however small, of history, be it DKU history or Mario history, yeah and it's more the the implication of the thing yeah and it's definitely something as i've matured as i have taken on a greater appreciation of the people behind the scenes who work on games and the artistry that goes behind it even towards games i'm not particularly a fan of or fond of this is heartbreaking and discouraging to see all of this work that was put into this game, gone. Gone forever. And mm-hmm. it, you know, N- Nintendo's workarounds for this, <laughs> it just, like, they, they, they made this announcement, right? Very blase announcement when they made it. But, uh, they, they said basically that, hey, we're, we're, we're shutting this down. I, let me just read you the, the exact quote because it's, uh, mm. Fuck you to anybody who really enjoyed this game. (laughs) Thank you for playing the Dr. Mario World game. The Dr. Mario World game service will end on November 1st, 2021. Monday. (laughs) Mondays, am I right? (laughs) We would like to extend our sincere thanks to everyone who has played the game since it began service on July 10th, 2019. Uh, After the end of service... If you start up the Dr. Mario World game after the game's service has ended, an end-of-service notification will be displayed, and you will not be able to play the game. You will be able to look back at your play history in Dr. Mario World Memories, which is a webpage that will Mm. become available after the game's service ends. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, here's a yearbook. Yeah, like... Here you go. Hey, you, you remember how many times you played this game? The puzzles you completed? That's it. And that's maybe enough for the people who actually, you know, were able to play the game 100% and really, like, lived and breathed mm-hmm. it. But what about future generations? What about uh, little Sally, a Mario fan... 70 years from now, assuming civilization is still standing 70 years from now. Nah, Oceanic Collapse is going to happen in like 30 years and kill us all. She's a mer person, all right? So, uh, oh, okay. uh, so, so little Sally, the, the mer person living in the aquatic remains of, of what was once the United States of America is really into Mario and and wants to play every single Mario game and is looking on Super Mario Wiki, which is waterproof, and <laughs> learns of Dr. Mario World and is discouraged that this Mario game is just beyond her reach. Minus time travel, uh, you just can't get to it. And, and so, yeah, it's not even so much 
us or, or the, those of us who played Dr. Mario World or who had a chance to play Dr. Mario World. But what about every subsequent generation who gets into Mario or Donkey Kong or wants to learn about that time? Diddy Kong got his medical license. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you can't relive that. You just can't. You can maybe watch YouTube videos of it. But that's not the same, is it? And that sucks. That that absolutely flat out sucks. All the work that was put into this, all the team who worked on it, you know, surely there has to be a different way of going about this than simply shutting it down. Like You could just reconfigure it to be a standalone downloadable game that you maybe have to pay for. Uh, and then that could justify all the work that was put into it like strip it of the elements that made it dr mario world and just make it dr mario mobile i mean it i it's like throwing out the baby with the bathwater. uh yeah and before it's the baby mutates into a merfolk after the the societal collapse yeah surprisingly konami is actually being better about this sort of thing uh they they took down one of their mobile their big mobile Castlevania title a while back, but just announced like yesterday that they've reconfigured it as a single player experience and will be putting it up on services again as a standalone, like single purchase download. Well, and you know, that's, that's wonderful to hear. That's the exact type of thing I champion. And so good on Konami for, for doing that. Uh, and I, I can just say that I am not surprised that Nintendo will not be doing that or we'll never have any intention of doing that. Because <laughs> when it comes to this topic, I, I feel like Nintendo is, is always going to be primed to let me down. Per- personally, like maybe, maybe that's hyperbolic, but I the more I've reflected on this recently and the more I've observed it, uh, the more I've realized, oh, Nintendo doesn't care, do they? I wouldn't go that far, but I have I have thoughts I'll share about that. I'm using later. Nintendo as a blanket like corporate structure. Surely there are people at Nintendo who would love to preserve all the games, who would never want uh, a game to become unavailable, especially to this degree. Uh, but the the corporate structure of Nintendo sort of uh, drowns that out, in my opinion. Well, let's let's look back at the history. Yeah, let's look back at the history. Yeah, yeah. Of Nintendo, I, I guess, and their dalliances with ephemeral games that sort of become ghost uh, phantomware that uh, cease mm. to be. And then we'll discuss the DKU in particular and all of the very narrow calls we have had over the years. Mm-hmm. And for me, this starts, but it might also start with Nintendo in a broader sense, with the Nintendo Saddle of You. Uh, yeah. And for those who don't know, this was a modem add-on for the Super Famicom in Japan in the mid-90s. Very revolutionary. It, it kind of um, preceded and predicted the way gaming would be going in just under a decade and surely yeah. where we're, we're at now with gaming, particularly Xbox and uh, PlayStation. Um, but the Nintendo Saddle of You didn't make it out of Japan. But I remember reading about it in Nintendo Power in like 95 yeah. or 96. I can't remember the exact year. But I was 
enchanted and horrified both at the same time <laughs> at the possibility that the saddle of you represented because the nintendo saddle of you they would have what were called broadcast days so a particular day you you would sort of boot it up and then these games would be broadcast over the saddle of you which you could then play on your super famicom right Mm-hmm. Yeah, And so there were Zelda titles with remix dungeons never seen anywhere else. Uh, I, I think a, a remixed version of the Super Mario Brothers, um, the, the uh, trilogy. Super Mario Bros. 2. Two. Um, there, yeah, there was also like a sort of a Super Mario All-Stars. Like it was running on the All-Stars engine. And so you got like things like a Super Mario Bros. 3 overworld map, but it was all Super Mario Bros. 1 levels and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. These were ostensibly new or unique entries in the Zelda or Mario series, even if they were just Mm -hmm. remixed. They, They were just there, like, broadcast into your Super Famicom, and then they were gone, you know? Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and they never made it outside of Japan, so we never really felt that pain uh, here in the states or anywhere else in the world. But I remember thinking, like, what if I was living in Japan? What if I was a diehard Zelda fan? How would I be feeling over this possibility that this game would just not exist anymore? I, I would get a taste yeah. of it, and then it would be gone, and. You know, there are people who have gone to great lengths to find and preserve the Saddle of You games. You, you can find... Yeah, fortunately, I think, like, a good 98% of the stuff that was broadcast uh, has been preserved via emulation. Although, unfortunately, there is some stuff that just... We haven't happened to find any saved copies of. Although, you know, when you look at the list and you look at what has been salvaged, you know... It is pretty impressive. That it, is, it is most everything. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. of course, that is all down to the fans and gaming historians. It's, it's not Nintendo who, who has, like, made mm-hmm. this material available again. But um, so I, I would actually put this in an almost dodged bullet category. Even though you can't get it through official means, uh, it's not lost. Yeah. You can seek it out. And, you know, my, my stance on emulation... Uh, it, it used to be very harsh. Uh, it used to be, don't do it. Um, and of course, as I've gotten older and uh, I've gotten less rigid uh, in my views, I definitely <laughs> understand it now. Uh, I, I think it's shitty to play, like, to, to emulate a newer game or whatever. But if the game is not being made available, if there are no feasible means with which to acquire, even even stuff like, you know, N64 era, like, unfortunately, the, the whole practice of game collecting has kind of ruined the market for obtaining uh, a lot of older cartridges because it's made the prices skyrocket. And so anybody mm-hmm. who actually wants to seek the out the original cartridge or whatever for a game has to pay inexorbitant prices. Yeah. Fortunately, there's a growing market for reproduction carts, which aren't like they're, they're newly made carts 
that you can play on classic systems or the those modern like we play retro games systems and so if you want like an authentic nintendo made this cartridge in 1990 whatever sure you can go spend a few hundred dollars on ebay or you can spend like 20 bucks on a repro cart for something that like the average person won't be able to distinguish is a quote unquote fake copy of the game. Yeah. And so. I'm not wild about that because it, but at the same time, I understand it and you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it is what it is. I, but especially when it comes to things like the saddle of you, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that is mm-hmm. perfectly acceptable because I don't want that history lost, even though there's no personal stakes in it for me because I'm not a Zelda diehard, I'm not a Mario diehard, but still, I can definitely empathize, right? So, I mm-hmm. I know how it must feel, so it's great that that material has been preserved and, and is out there. Um, and, and so that was, like, the first taste of it with Nintendo, uh, but the more direct analog to what's going on with Dr. Mario World is probably Mitomo, uh, which was mm, yeah. the first uh, mobile game in this iteration of mobile games uh, since the mid-aughts, uh, mid, mid-teens, mid mid-2010s. What, what the hell do you call the decade? <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it, it's, it's the first one that they shut down. It's the first one that they yeah. said, you know what? This isn't working for us. Bye-bye. It's done. And when they announced it was ceasing to be, I admit I didn't pay much attention. I was like, oh, whatever. Uh, but now looking back <laughs> on it, it, it was really a portent of doom, uh, of an ill omen for things to come. And, you know... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like you, you can definitely see that a me branded game would be the first on the chopping block, and then a Doctor Mario game. And it's like the way corporate culture works. You know, you, you got to con- show continual growth, continual pro- uh, profits. Uh, yeah, it just, just it's unsustainable. And so, at what point will uh, another mm-hmm. mobile game not be good enough? Like, yeah, it's doing better than those two that we kill, but it's still not doing. Uh, what yeah. we want towards projections, let's kill it. And for all the people who devote time and and money, real money into these games, it, it just oh, it's gone, it's gone forever. And mm-hmm. that doesn't sit right with me. <laughs> but I know I'm not speaking anything new uh, with with this opinion. Yeah. This is just I I've kind of been outside of that bubble for a long time and now the bubble is starting to nip at my heels and I'm like, "Hey, oh, those, no. those practices are kind of shitty." <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is like, "Oh, you finally come out from under your rock." <laughs> it's great um, being uh being stuck in the 1990s sometimes, I have to say. Yeah. And like yeah, so like you said, Dr. Mario World's the first, like, explicitly DKU thing this is happening to. Mm. As far as mobile games go, there was Crocobongo, which... I don't know if you'd say it was a full game. And it was... That was a title from, like, 2015 from... Was that Fortune Fish or one of the other yeah. sort of X-Rare staff? No, okay. that was, that was the, the, Stamper, the Stamper project that we actually discussed yeah, here yeah. on the conversation. 
and uh-huh. you know they they look like Kremlins, and that was like ha ha. This was Kako Bongo looks like a fuzzy Kremlin, and we're not just saying that. It's literally like if you put him next to Donkey Kong, you'd be like, oh, which DK game is that from? Yeah, and this this was before K Rule came back, so this was kind of yeah. like and, yeah. And I definitely feel like there was a little bit of them playing to that that thirst for the Kremlins that was oh, definitely very much so it's it's super hard Donkey Kong Country aesthetics in that and like that's been delisted from the app store but if like you had if it's on your account or if it's still on your device you can still play through it and stuff it's just new people can't get at it right and like there's probably some complicated side loading process i'm not aware of for getting it onto an apple device if you weren't like lucky enough to grab it at the time but it's a pain in the ass is what it is right it's Um, inaccessible for the layperson yeah 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 so school me school me gibbon because i i am not somebody like i play pokemon go you know, when, when it was new, and then I just got sick mm-hmm. of it because I realized I was walking around public parks um, mm. like a sheep, and um, I, I got sick. Yeah, I got si- screw public parks. Who wants to go to those? No, but I, I realized, like, I don't know. It got old for me, and I realized I, did, <laughs> I realized I was I was enamored with the the principle behind the game, but I had no emotional stakes. I wasn't actually feeling anything when I got a, a Pokemon I was after. I was like, oh, oh, cool, mm. I got it, yay, yay! But then I had to take a good, hard look at my life. And you're like, damn, I'm outside getting healthy, playing games with the community. Fuck this! I need to get back in my cave where I actually liked. Uh, hiking uh the the national parks the mountains uh pokemon go doesn't work because it requires you oh, to be in well, uh, in an actual like yeah. urban okay. uh, populated area and and there there's nothing to be found uh out in the wilderness i preferred which is away from people yeah, I was about to disagree in that the hiking trails around here are full of it, but i also realized Niantic's down the street. <laughs> so <laughs> Try try doing it in Shenandoah National Park. It doesn't work. But you're more you're likely to see a real bear, which is kind of cool. So we had a real bear when I was working at Microsoft. We were locked inside the buildings one day because there was a bear wandering around the campus. That was just banjo. Educate me, Gibbon, because I I feel like I am somebody who has been in a cave for for the past <laughs> uh, ten to fifteen years, and I I haven't really observed like. Candy Crush? Yeah. Is Candy Crush still okay. a thing? <laughs> God, I hope not. Unfortunately, probably so. Um, so yeah, I, I've i been kind of invested in the mobile gaming space for a while, like dating back to like flip phones or so, because at the time, um, when it first sort of started up, companies were treating it the same way that like the Game Boy was treated. They were putting like mobile companion games to larger things out on there. So like I've got um, mobile game entry, like full, I paid a decent sum of money for these 
full games that you can play from start to finish and are like comparable to like Game Boy or Game Boy Advance or DS games or whatever. Right. Of like Wolfenstein, God of War, Dead Space, Final Fantasy, Prince of Persia, Mega Man, Kingdom Hearts, Metal Gear Solid, Resident Evil, and there's Predator. Like the list goes on and on and on. I've got probably like half a dozen phones dating back to my first flip phone over in a bin uh, like about five feet from me just to preserve those because they're just not available anymore. You can't find them on services. And that's just like the franchises that exist outside of the mobile space. Like Square has invested time and money into making mobile only franchises. They got one of the Final Fantasy teams to do an entire series on mobile called Chaos Rings, which aside from the third game, Sorry, the fourth game that is numbered number three because this is a Square franchise. <laughs> um, um, you can't like you can still go on to storefronts and buy them, but the download servers don't exist anymore. So like you can't play them if you happened to have deleted them from your phone at some point. And like I think the only way to play the older titles now is to like buy a Chinese PS Vita version of them or something. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I paid like $20 for each of those and I can't play them anymore. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. And so like, this is just a thing in the mobile space and it's kind of discouraged me from modern day mobile gaming for the most part. Although I'm kind of getting back into it mainly with Nintendo stuff. But even then, I'm not spending any money on anything because I learned my lesson. And it's like, yeah, this is just a problem in the mobile gaming sphere. It's a, it, and it is, it's, yeah. It's ironically easier to preserve older phone games because they were in like Java format and people were able to rip those files from their phones relatively easily and emulate them. So there's a thriving emulator space for older phone games, but for smartphone games, it's kind of like a crapshoot whether that's possible or not. And and that kind of leads us into our next yeah. avenue of discussion here. The Donkey Kong mm-hmm. universe and its history of what I call uh, near game eradication. So mm-hmm. obviously... Uh, this this is never a problem when it comes to something like Donkey Kong Country or your Donkey Kong Lands, things that were available on a game cartridge. Back in the days when you just had a chonky piece of plastic that you slid mm. into your, your device that plays them, a simple... Perfect. Uh, not complicated in any way. You, you have a game. You can hold it in your hand. You can take it places, put it in, and and nobody can deprive you of that um, unless it's through a, like a mugging or something, right? Um, the first time though, we were faced with this possibility rather than just in this uh, hypothetical sense, like when I pondered the, the saddle of you was Mm -hmm. a little game called Donkey Kong Country Barrel Maze. And Mm -hmm. I feel like anytime I bring up Donkey Kong Country Barrel Maze, I first need to explain what Donkey Kong Country Barrel Maze is. Because when I say Donkey Kong Country Barrel Maze, I am usually met with slack-jawed reactions and confused expressions. So let me explain what Donkey Kong Country Barrel Maze is. 
for the uninitiated. Donkey Kong Country Barrel Mates, and yes, I just like saying the full title, is a browser game developed for a website called candystand.com, which has a long storied history behind it. You can look that up yourself. By a... Oh, we're old, aren't we? Oh, yeah. Uh, I still have the the buttocks of a supple 20-year-old, but, you know, Mm. chronologically I'm old. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Candystand.com. Be glad I'm this old, because this is how we still have this game, partially. Oh, that's fair, Uh, yeah. Developed by a team called Skyworks Technologies in 2003, and it required Shockwave to play. So mm. this this wasn't uncommon for a lot of games, like predating smartphone games. There were browser games, and and this is where you would get a lot of the stuff that would appeal to your mom. Or, you know, like, people who aren't traditional gamers so much, but they would somehow stumble upon this, and they would play them. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, fellow students in my high school's computer lab playing games on candystand.com when they should have been, Mm. like, doing research or whatever. Good old penguin bowling. Uh, So, you know, candystand, like, I knew of candystand even before Barrel Maze. This isn't the usual case where it takes... (laughs) <laughs> the DKU to introduce me to something that people are already familiar with. Uh, no, my my uh, my cultural awareness was already broadened thanks to just my peers uh, in high school at the time. But Candy Stand, uh, they both had original games and they had licensed games, and it was odd and unusual for Nintendo of all entities to license one of their properties to Candy Stand. And this has led to a lot of debates. Not so much anymore, but (laughs) I remember when the conversation was still dewy and fresh, where a lot of people would say, hey, I don't think Donkey Kong Country Barrel Maze is a real game. I think it was unlicensed, and and I, I, I think it was a knockoff. I think that's a common misconception, honestly, because Nintendo does a lot of stuff like that and has historically done so <laughs> over the years. They had cell phone apps in Japan dating back. Like, they, there was a cell phone hookup for the Game Boy that um, some of the Pokemon games took advantage of, uh, some of the Mario Golf games took advantage of, and there were, were sort of mobile apps for that. And, like, they, they've done a lot of branching out and app stuff. It's just rare that it comes over to the united states yeah. is what was novel about this and when it does then you have all these accusations that dk vine is hoaxing it or it's, it's <laughs> it, it, to like, be fair that is the sort of thing we do ah, we're, we're not pranksters so much like we're <laughs> we get obsessed over minutiae we don't uh, create like broad uh, conspiracies but th- mm. this is a real game, uh, actually licensed by Nintendo, rated by the ESRB and everything. Like it, it, it's on this pedestal above even the Shockwave browser games that were on Nintendo's site to promote a game. Like this, this, ga- this game has some craft behind it. Uh, it does, and I think you really can't appreciate that unless you play it. And it would have been a brief window in which you could have played it 
had it not been for DK Vine. I'm quite proud of this, actually. <laughs> so, you know, it being completely housed on a website like Candy Stand made us face the possibility from the outset that, hey, you know, if this left Candy Stand, which a lot of games did, uh, or if Candy Stand shut down, which it's been through a couple iterations since then, I think it still exists in some sort of form, but it's something completely removed from what it used to be. I actually have it looked it up in a couple of years. Uh, we we would have to, you know, deal with a Donkey Kong Universe game being gone forever. And not just the Donkey Kong Universe game, like where Donkey Kong or Diddy makes an appearance like Dr. Mario World, but a Donkey Kong game. A game with Donkey Kong Country in its title. So, uh, some of the more savvy uh, tech wizards uh, enlisted by the DK Vine forum quickly, quickly archived it. I think we had like an emulated or whatever copy of it uh, while it was still up. Like, it, it didn't take long at all. And we quickly put it on our site, just kind of scrolled yeah, it away. from the days of really bad internet encryption, where you could just kind of grab whatever you wanted. Thank Log for it. Thank the Lord <laughs> of Games, because we, we got it. It did leave Candy Stand. And, and then ever since, uh, it's been available on DK Vine. Now, granted... Uh, through the discontinuation of Shockwave and Flash and and all of those things, it's become harder to play. But there are workarounds, uh, and Mm -hmm. we are personally responsible for keeping this corner of the DKU alive. And look, this is the first appearance of hippos in a Donkey Kong game. This is the first appearance of the plants that Retro uh, established as chomp plants. True, true. Uh, this, there, there's, there's lots of little bits in here. This, this yeah. is basically, and we will be doing a spotlight episode for its 20th anniversary, believe you me. <laughs> but this, this is basically, uh, a game that shows us how Donkey Kong gets bananas for his banana horde. It is, uh, a, a charming, if not hard to play, little piece of DKU history. And I adore it. And I adore that we saved it. We salvaged it. And of course, that's not the the only uh, browser game that's that's DKU that was quote unquote lost, but has been preserved. But it's probably the most notable one. Um, there's stuff like the the as you mentioned, Nintendo occasionally had Flash games on their own sites, and there was a Mario vs Donkey Kong one for that. And then there was that Nuts and Bolts uh, Lunchables tie-in <laughs> browser game and stuff. And and fortunately, those have all been preserved and are on various Flash archive services. And and then we get into the debate, which uh, runs rampant on things like our DKU. Uh, tribunal episodes where we, you know, we, we <laughs> try to determine what is actually a game versus a piece of marketing. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's not a debate for this episode, Gibbet, but Donkey Kong <laughs> Country Barrel Mace has always been, like I said, on a pedestal above where mm-hmm. it is unquestionably a game. And, and that is, yeah, that, that- it's, yeah, Milo was streaming it the other day. And it's it's surprisingly meaty. Like it's a full thing. It's like it's it's very comparable to Marble Madness in both playstyle and scope. Yeah. If uh, people are familiar with that, one of the one of the best feelings was when I finally beat it. Ooh. I think in two thousand ten. 
because <laughs> I, I did a, a slush fund on the forum about it and it it was just because i had always been terrible at it just absolutely terrible but i committed and i got good and good enough good enough to clear it at least clear all nine levels so or i think it was nine maybe ten nine nine sounds right something like yeah, that anyway uh, Donkey Kong Country Barrel Maze. You can still download it on DK Vine. We have a game page for it. Uh, you just have to, you know, figure out how to get Shockwave working. But then you're good to go. So that that was the first instance. But then there was, hey, we're back to discussing mobile games. And specifically mm-hmm. the mobile games you were alluding to. There were three mobile games that came out in the mid-aughts, the the real aughts, not the 2010s that I mistakenly mm-hmm. referred to as the aughts earlier on this episode. Yeah. Banjo-Kazooie Grunty's Revenge Mobile, It's Mr. Pants Mobile Edition, and Banjo-Kazooie Grunty's Revenge Missions, which is often mistaken as Banjo-Kazooie Grunty's Revenge Mobile, but they're actually different games. And as a writer, I want to mention the uh, Saberwolf GBA Mobile Edition. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but th- these were Infusio's flip phone mobile, I guess ports, but sort of remakes. Uh, basically, they were they yeah. were like I, I've always likened them to the like Game Boy versions. In this case, Game Boy versions of Game Boy games, like the the downgraded yeah. version. Of a pre-existing like game. Donkey Kong Land 2. <laughs> yeah, Donkey Kong Land 2. If somebody made a Donkey Kong Land 2 for Donkey Kong Land 2. <laughs> Land 2. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, th- these uh, were a first, really, for us. Uh, Infusio made a deal with Rare and Microsoft to put their THQ-published Game Boy Advance output, uh, Sans Banjo Pilot, uh, on on mobile platforms, and in my experience, they were virtually impossible to find uh, <laughs> in the wild in the days that they were actually live as as yeah. like mobile games properly. Because yeah, this was you you think platform exclusivity is bad these days? It was ridiculous back in the flip phone era. <laughs> yeah, because it it depended on your carrier right like uh, it depended on your carrier and model of phone so like even just going to different models of flip phone on the same carrier i had access to completely different game library (laughs) yeah and there was no like i tried to research this like how can I play Banjo Kazooie Granny's Revenge Mobile? And all the only information you would get is it's available on mobile. What? <laughs> so I kid you not, I actually went searching for a new phone just to be able to get these. And you can't. You I mean, can't just. You were talking to someone who vigorously researched which phone models would have the best game libraries. So okay, but th- you're th- preaching to the choir this on this is, one. Th- okay, that's one thing, Gibbon. This is a n- different level of. I was going to say insanity, but I guess inanity would be the better term. <laughs> this was like you can't just go to people at Verizon or or AT and T or T Mobile or whatever and and say, hey. I want to play It's Mr. Pants Mobile Edition, and that's the mm. only reason I'm here to sign a contract uh, and and get get a new flip phone. Please tell me how I can play It's Mr. Pants Mobile Edition, because they won't know, and, and nobody knew. Mm. 
And it was, you know, it got to the point where I was questioning whether they were even available in the U.S. <laughs> I tried, and and I had actually sit downs with people. <laughs> Oh, wow. At these phone places. And, okay, slightly more dedicated yeah, than me. And, and <laughs> they just kind of stared at me like I was some sort of uh, extraterrestrial coming down to Earth. And I felt awkward. Mm. And so we walked away with no contract signed and no phone because they couldn't give me the answers I was seeking. They, they were trying to sell me on, like, uh, the benefits that normal people would would inquire about a phone. <laughs> I just wanted my three DKU games on my phone. Uh, I can't can't really fault you on that since for a long time my phone purchases were based on whether I'd be able to play the latest uh, Alien versus Predator mobile game on them or not. Yeah, and and so I feel like for the younger listeners out there who you know everything's available on the App Store or you know android and and that's it like you you've you've basically got this this universal breakdown uh of all these games and and pieces of software we didn't have that back in the days where Mm -hmm. people use the phones from breaking bad then break you know and and throw in a trash because they're just burner phones at this point uh no like we we didn't we we didn't have that so it was the wild west you didn't know what you're getting when it came to uh Games. Uh, games were just kind of a cute little bonus. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't a main yeah. selling point until smartphones. So anyway, long story short, I never got to play them on on like actual mobile. And at that point, you know, at a certain point, I didn't really care because I kind of drifted away from the DKU for a time. This is when I was pursuing screenwriting and everything. And so I, mm-hmm. I had, in my mind, a bigger fish to fry at that point. But when I came back to DK Vine <laughs> properly from LA and uh, re- really kind of dedicated myself to Donkey Kong journalism, I I then found that, hey, luckily people preserved all three uh they're all available readily available to download online and i've got hard copies Mm -hmm. of them now saved and everything um so it's you know it's fine and i actually quite enjoyed uh grunny's revenge mobile particularly i i thought it was like really fun and it was different from grunny's revenge on the game boy advance uh it has yeah it was interesting seeing how they they cut down or or sort of i don't know what the correct word would they they refactored some areas to make them work on mobile and it was interesting to see those design changes yeah so it it was it was fun and you know the way you play it on you know you play you can play on your computer but you've got this little like replica of a nokia phone from the era (laughs) you know so you still get a little bit of a taste of the way it used to be but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. those games are saved, thankfully, um, and that is also down to the fans. Uh, but that's, I mean, that that is like the scary era of mobile for me because not only w- was this the you know this threat of you're going to lose these games forever. It's can you even find the games to begin with? So it was like a race mm-hmm. against time, <laughs> just just to get a yeah. phone. But thankfully, that's all been averted. Thanks to the diligence of amateur game preservationist, but that brings us uh, closer to the modern era, up to the Xbox One, 
with a game called Project Spark. Ah, rest in peace. Rest in peace, but it lives on. Because even though it was shut down by then-Microsoft Studios, you can still play it locally if you have a game disc. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you do lose the whole, I'm going to get other people to try out my created games aspect of it. That, you know, I, I, you know... What what's the PlayStation game Dreams? Um, uh, sure, I think. Yeah. Um, no, it's Dreams because I make the joke about Project Dream all the time. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But you know that that's actually I think quite popular. I assume it's popular, and it's a shame they didn't stick with Project Spark because it was the same principle. Yeah, we've talked about that <laughs> in depth on various other episodes, but yeah, yeah. it's. It is really a shame that Project Spark got shut down the way it did. But you can still make a game. Uh, You know, you can just only play it from home. You can't, like, share Mm -hmm. it online. And you can still play Conqueror's Big Reunion. So it's not like it's lost. It just certain Mm -hmm. functionalities of it are lost. And, like, you can still play as Conquer in, like, the Voidstorm adventures, but because there's no server connection, you can't level up any of those characters. So you can't see Conker's repertoire of increasingly absurd attacks and whatnot as he levels up. Yeah. Which isn't a thing in big reunion. So if you're only playing it for big reunion, that's fine. But if you want to see like the full array of Conker content, you're a little SOL. But you get most of it. Yeah, so so not really lost, and, you know, it, it, it's a workaround. It's the same kind mm-hmm. of workaround I'm kind of hoping uh, comes about somehow for Dr. Mario World. But the mm-hmm. truth is, in my opinion, we might argue about this, Gibbon. I just don't think Nintendo cares all that much. Yeah, like, hmm. So that, speaking of Nintendo, like... There's a bunch of stuff that's still available, but won't be in the near future. And that's like getting into the discussion of their virtual consoles and their eShop titles, because they have a lot of eShop only titles on older, I guess I say older, I feel old saying they're older systems like Wii U and 3DS and DS eShops, like uh, a couple of the Mario vs. Donkey Kong titles or... Mm -hmm. DKU adjacent stuff like Dylan's Rolling Western, which is made by Tanabe and has a bunch of DK callouts and whatnot in it. Although, although um, I think the biggest reason people associate that game with the Donkey Kong universe is because of the Kevin Callahan rumor that Dylan was going to appear in Diddy Kong <laughs> Racing for the oh, Wii U. I think it's because one of the, the main antagonists in the first game is King Ron, affectionately called Ronnie Kong, a big scar-faced gorilla with a red tie who antagonizes the main characters and throws out wind-up TNT barrels at you during his boss fight. A little bit of your thing, a little bit of my thing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and makes a bunch of Kremlin puns, but yeah. Um, so like those are still available for now, but like outside of people grabbing ROM images <laughs> off of their 3DSs, like those won't be available once the eShops go down. And like that sort of brings us to the broader discussion of Nintendo and yeah, I'll I'll let you say your piece, and then I'll say my piece. All right. Um, so, for me, as as hard as it is to understand 
or or hear or process. I don't think Nintendo's ever really cared about this stuff uh, because they they just ploy nostalgia all the time, but they do it um, in in a sort of very targeted sense. It, it's always nostalgia designed to help them sell a current product. It's why they, mm-hmm. they, for example, just now ignored Donkey Kong's 40th anniversary this summer, yet acknowledged Metroid's 35th anniversary. It's because they've got a Metroid game to sell in October. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and that's it. I mean, it's, it's why there's no dedicated virtual console for the Switch. You know, they'll, they'll have like those monthly updates for the uh, Nintendo online service where, oh, now we've got three Super Nintendo games coming this month uh but but there's no real continuity with the the eShop of old the the virtual console on the Wii or the Wii U or the 3DS and there there's never been that system to system ownership of your digital titles your digital game libraries nothing like that um, there you get the one-offs designed to remonetize old games but nothing in the way of continuous preservation of the actual history and in my opinion that's a damn shame because that is the way i feel like the industry has been trending for a while especially when you look at how xbox is starting to do it uh, has been doing it in the last uh, half decade or more uh, under you know phil spencer's leadership is it perfect absolutely not but it is, I think, heading in the right direction. I don't know. I think it's a matter of different approaches and, I, I guess, different priorities. Because, like, yeah, I'll, I'll applaud Xbox's uh, virtual console uh, showing, uh, which I refuse to call backwards compatibility because it's not really, and that's a misnomer. Um, but, like, so my personal game library of Xbox titles... Uh, I have a lot of the the quote-unquote mainstream stuff like Halo and the Rare games and whatnot. And of course, those are compatible with this service and are available and can be played on the current systems and nobody uh, bats an eye going, well, of course, those are there. But like, I also own a lot of niche titles that like have never been compatible with these services so i still have to like dig out the original xbox or 360 or what have you if i want to play them so like i've got mixed feelings on people going oh look you can play all of your xbox titles on the series x and it's just your one-stop shop and i'm like it's it's not like i think for half of my stuff i still need to bring out the original console well when you say niche Um, titles are you referring to third-party stuff or yeah, it's third-party stuff. And like, yeah, and, and that, like, it would be great if all of that, you know, w- was there. But, you know, w- when you're looking at the first-party stuff, which ostensibly my argument about Dr. Mario World is a first-party title. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I would love if we were going that deep into the weeds when it came to me having all your games be playable but i I, i'm asking for a bare minimum the company that puts out the service to preserve it themselves preserve their own titles okay that's fair but like over on the nintendo side of things i i know people advocate a lot for like hey just let us buy it once and own it but like 
Microsoft is kind of new in that respect in that they're, they're like the only ones who do that. Everybody else makes you pay for stuff again. And uh, a lot of, I think it's only, it's only relatively recently that you haven't been able to play older stuff on your newer Nintendo consoles. Cause like, if you look at their handheld output, you were able to play like original Game Boy games up through what, like the DS, <laughs> like that's several generations back. Like they were actually really good about that. And Nintendo's usually pretty good about porting over or re-releasing older first party titles and their historical virtual console libraries across like the past 15 years or so are like, look, here's every mainstream first party title. Everyone, anyone did that, that anybody could ever want. And even on, um, Nintendo switch online, they've been steadily rolling out their first party titles. I think there's only really like on the, the NES and SNES, which are the only things on Nintendo switch online at the moment, there's only like, you can count on one hand the number of major first-party games that people are still kind of nagging about. But at the same time, they're also doing a really good job of getting like niche titles people may not have been exposed to or didn't have an opportunity to play. And I know a lot of people who have been really happy with Nintendo Switch Online because like they've maybe never heard of some of these RPGs or puzzle games or platformers before and are experiencing them for the first time and wouldn't have had that opportunity otherwise. So like, I don't know at the same time, the same people who are like, why don't you just release X on Nintendo switch online or have virtual console? Like they complain about all the ports and remasters that the switch is getting. So I don't know. I think people just like to complain personally. Well, and also I look at something like Nintendo switch online and it, you know, it, it might be great, but it's also apparent to me that once we get a new console, uh, eventually Nintendo switch online, is going to be discontinued and all that stuff on there. You won't be able to access anyway. It, it's, game pass like that's not any different <laughs> okay okay yeah i know but everything on game pass too or most things on game pass are you can get a hard copy i of. mean you can get you a can... hard copy of all the stuff on nintendo switch online okay but i mean then we're getting back to the point of uh having to hunt down old cartridges you know or I mean, that's going to be the case for the stuff on Game Pass, too, though. Game Pass is just more recent stuff. Right, but you can also purchase a lot of the games on Game Pass, and then you have them on your console. Yeah, but, like, I think us us oldies just need to kind of face that the video game industry is moving towards digital only. Yeah, but that's why game preservation is more important than ever, if that's the case. Oh, I agree. I agree. It's just that, like... More and more, even with quote-unquote big titles, you're seeing the physical releases done by by places like Limited Run or or uh, those sorts of places that sort of do print-on-demand physical uh, copies I mean, of games. and that's the same way, or trending the same way with things like the music industry uh, and, you know, you get physical media in general, Blu-ray, DVD, whatever. Mm-hmm. There will always be a yeah. market, I think, uh, or at least there will be for a couple generations uh, into the future, a market for physical media uh, because people mm-hmm. like to collect. People like uh, 
a tangible product in their hands. Yep. yep. Uh, I mean, people like me, and that's why I need more bookshelves. Cinemaphiles, for example, love the the Criterion Collection, right? And they they will mm-hmm. want the Blu-ray version of all of these uh, art house movies, renowned films from uh, the history of cinema. And and it's the same way with gaming, but where we look at things like music and and m- movies and literature, there's always been this movement to preserve the history of all of those, mm-hmm. right? And gaming has, I, it's either too new or it's too. Uh, too long like, associated with oh that's just a, a childhood fancy it's a passing thing and the artistic merit behind it has been overlooked until recent years mm-hmm. and so the movement to preserve game history I think is still a relatively young and dewy thing with the, the buttocks of a 20 year old yeah, but it's it's gaining steam. Like the Internet Archive is making an active effort to preserve stuff and like you can go and play a lot of older games on the Internet Archive just straight from their site and they have like laws pr- protecting that preservation and emulation in the name of uh history and archivalship. So, it's a good sign for things to come. Yeah, uh and you know, We've been lucky as, as far as DK Vine goes because most that's most true. of the stuff like this, this Dr. Mario World is the first time we've really had to face the threat of one of the certified DKU games being being blinked out of existence and it's because you know the DKU is you you've been saying mainstream and I think as weird it for for all the the it's another damn Donkey Kong game journos out there, whether they like it or not, DKU games are pretty mainstream. <laughs> like everybody's heard of them. A lot of people play them. Like a new Donkey Kong game is never going to not sell well or bring in money. Yeah, even like, something like Grab by the Ghoulies, which is considered incredibly niche. Uh, that that was still made by uh, the Banjo-Kazooie team at Rare mm-hmm. and is owned by Xbox and has that backing behind it, you know? So, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, we have been lucky. And the few times where we have been unlucky, we've had workarounds. And it's not up until now that there might not be a workaround for this because as you said, it's far harder to save smartphone games than it, than it was yeah. the old Java days where we, we could have it's Mr. Pants mobile edition and some mm-hmm. forward thinking uh, saint said, Hey, it's Mr. Pants mobile edition is a game worth preserving. And it is because <laughs> it is, it is all a joy of it's Mr. Pants shrunk down and put in your pocket. But but deeper in your pocket than the Game Boy would fit. <laughs> you mentioned Sea of Thieves, and and Sea of Thieves has yeah. been what has been kind of rolling over in my mind since this news broke, because there's always been the possibility, right? Sea of Thieves is a game that exists on servers, and what happens 
one day where Sea of Thieves is deemed uh, not profitable enough to keep the servers going, will that be the end of Sea of Thieves? Now, thankfully, this isn't something we have to worry about anytime soon because Sea of Thieves is... Yeah, we really don't. I, I, I don't know if the DK Vine, the conversation crowd, they really understand how huge Sea of Thieves is. Hey, hey! Hard truth, haters. It's doing gangbusters. It's not going anywhere. Sea of Thieves um, is the most successful rare game, maybe of all time. Yep. yep. Yeah. Period. End of sentence. I, I mean, it, it, <laughs> I know it's it's hard for those who don't like the game to hear. For those who are holding out hope that Sea of Thieves is going to fail, so they'll just have to make another Conquer game or whatever. Yep. But no matter how many times you claim there's no content to do. The, you know, the fact that it's still, like, in the top five on Steam. Yeah. Then it came out on Steam a couple years after its initial launch. and just So this yeah. has happened to me a couple times. I, I have been stuck in traffic, and I'll see a car with a Sea of Thieves bumper sticker. And, and I'm just like, Ooh. what? Because it's weird. It's weird. I mean, it, it would be like me driving around in 2005 and seeing Mr. Ribs from Ghoulies on somebody's truck (laughs) or whatever, you know? And I would be like, whoa, whoa, my my internet world is colliding with my real world. But, I mean, that's how huge Sea of Thieves is, and there's some cognitive dissonance for me that Sea of Thieves really Mm. is that big. And, you know, especially, it it came from such humble beginnings. Um, to the point where I was in the E3 2016 trailer, but now look at it. it it's, <laughs> uh, it's a behemoth, a behemoth even, and it is a pillar <laughs> of Xbox. And because it's a pillar mm-hmm. of Xbox, we have nothing to fear. But there's always the possibility that For one day, one day the, the game, because we've seen it happen with other online games, right? Like, it do, mm-hmm. it's it's doing huge and then for whatever reason couple wrong moves and then people just stop playing it people abandon it and yep, and much. then eventually the game just dies i'm thinking you know there's a star wars uh mmo star wars galaxy and happened to that uh everybody became a jedi and then the game was just unplayable trash and then people stop playing it. And now there's the Old Republic, it, the Star Wars MMO, uh, that I think is still doing all right for itself, despite not being canon anymore. Like, it, it's been going on for so mm, long. They've they've waffled on explicitly saying whether Old Republic is canon or not because it's still raking Yeah, right, right. But <laughs> they don't that's want to how old people. the game is, is that but, Star Wars had an expanded universe reboot in the, in the time since, like, it was bought by Disney and rebooted in the time since it's been up and running. Uh, but before mm-hmm. that, there was Star Wars Galaxy. And it's weird to think that a Star Wars product would cease to exist and, and be, un- you know. With, with Star Wars Galaxies, though, there was a massive outcry when it did actually get shut down. And it lived on through uh, private servers for a really long time and might actually still it, be it, doing it, so. It still is because so, I did a little research before this episode, Gibbon. I, I did my homework. Oh, shit. Yeah. I, I went snooping into corners I don't normally snoop in and 
Yeah. Oh man, I'm proud of you. I'm so, proud of you. We should get you a juice box. I feel box. like Sea of Thieves is big enough. Well, what kind of juice box? Because if it's one of those Capri Sun bags. <laughs> I, I said box, not bag. Okay, because I don't like those Capri Sun bags because you get to the point where you're just trying to get the last little bit of juice and it leaves this unpleasant sensation in your mouth. You know what I'm talking about? Where you're trying mm-hmm. to like suck yeah, it out of the bag and you're like, oh. mm-hmm. and then you start thinking, is this what drinking out of a blood bag is like? And then you're like, why am I thinking about drinking out of a blood bag? I was just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get repulsed by your Capri Sun. Mm. No, I was thinking of like the high C boxes. I, it just makes me think about when Ecto Cooler would turn my poop green. But it does take me back to the days where the only thing I had to worry about was, you know, don't better not lose my cartridge because that's my video game. Uh, no, but Sea of Thieves, I think Sea of Thieves is big enough and I think it has enough backing, uh, both from the corporate structure and at Rare and, and enough uh, enterprising fans out there that if Sea of Thieves mm-hmm. ever did, quote unquote, shut down or they, they moved to like Sea of Thieves 2 or whatever the original game would exist on private servers. I I have no doubt about that. We we can only hope. I like the people at Rare seem really chill and I could totally see them being at some point in the future like, "Hey, we're sunsetting the game, but we're going to give out like server architecture downloads so that people can still play it." like Overland or whatever, if they want to. I, I absolutely think that would be the case. And I, I'm not just like white knighting rare. Uh, I definitely think that one, too many people at rare love the game and wouldn't want to see all their hard work, like lost the time. And, and so I, mm-hmm. and I think it would, it would definitely be a decision made with a lot more care and concern for the fans than this Dr. Mario world announcement where like, it's basically like, tough titties deal with it you, you yep. know game game over mm-hmm. game over man uh literally literally it's it's done but don't worry you can look you can look at your uh cameron uh who's in the live stream right now likened it to an obituary uh that you can look up and that's essentially what it is hey the game's dying but don't worry it's gonna get a nice obit you'll be, you'll be able to read that anytime <laughs> you want uh it's kind, it's kind of sick, in my opinion. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know why I'm so agitated about this, but I, I do think it's a way of... A, a way that I have evolved over the last couple of years where I... Even if it's a game I don't really like. Like, the last episode, David and I were discussing Mario and Sonic at the to- at the Olympic Games, Tokyo 2020, and don't really care for it, Gibbon, but... <laughs> I recognize that people worked on it and I recognize, you know, artistry behind it. And I I respect that. And I don't want the hard work of all of these people to be lost. And I don't want fans to be deprived of seeing what they did. I want it to be accessible uh, for all of time. And I don't know, maybe that is just uh, too pie-in-the-sky, hippy-dippy, altruistic way of thinking. But, Mm. yeah, I I really hope somebody comes up with a workaround for Dr. Mario World because 
come November 1st, it's going to be lost forever. And for the first time, a piece, however small, of the DKU will just cease to be with no workarounds. So, so like Konami coming around on, on preservation of their own games and re-releasing a lot of their old stuff and collections and previously unavailable, like, Famicom stuff on modern systems and even bringing back some of their uh, taken down mobile games in more accessible formats makes like if Konami can turn things around, I'm hopeful that maybe Nintendo will start doing the same thing and maybe we'll see like Dr. Mario World standalone edition on the Wii e- or the Switch eShop or something. Um, which would be cool, but uh, yeah, I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, what if Nintendo ever really f- followed anybody's lead on stuff like this? Nintendo, Nintendo does its own thing, really. Like even even in the scope of the video game industry, they're kind of off in their corner doing their own thing. And like, granted, a lot of times it's something that the rest of the industry will look over and be like, "Oh shit, that's a good idea. Write that down." Um. But at the same time, they just, they're, they're way ahead of their time in some respects, but in others, they're just so far behind it. So, yeah, I mean, the, the old saying, you know, Sega does what Nintendo don't, it's, it's really, you know, now Xbox and Konami and everybody else does what Nintendo don't, thankfully. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's. I, I guess there's no easy answer for this, but I'm hopeful some ent- enterprising fan out there will somehow, even if it's from within Nintendo itself, a little bit of corporate espionage is able to smuggle it out. I don't know. Yeah, like I think the easiest solution logistically would to just be like to release the server architecture or do a fake server ping or something. It depends on how the game's stored on your phone. If all the data is there and it just needs like a server check-in, you might be able to spoof that to get it to think the server said it's okay to access the content and play the game. Um, but you'd still lose a decent chunk of functionality like multiplayer and stuff, but you'd still be able to go through like the single player stuff maybe. But if it's not set up that way and you actually like have to download each thing as you go through it, then yeah, we might just be SOL. Right. And I'd be fine with just the single player being preserved, honestly. Like that that would be something at the very least. And it would you know, it it would be similar to like Conquer Live and Reloaded when they shut down the servers. Um, you know, you couldn't play online anymore, but everything was still playable locally, so uh, it, it was fine, um, ultimately. So, anyway, um, I'm just gonna make sure the first two seasons of the conversation are still offline. Yep, good. All right. Yep. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought we just started on season three as a joke. This has been a File 2 production. Terrico.